thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Here we are at the end of January. Well, this episode goes out at the start of February, doesn't it? Um, Yeah. The the month of our three-year anniversary. Very exciting stuff. Um, Are you well today? I am well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Excellent. We've uh, just checking in. Yes, quite. We've um, and yes. <laughs> Off to a uh, rip roaring start as usual, hitting our high levels of quality that we do. Um, how are you? Yes, I'm quite well. I've uh, yeah, I've, I've had a good couple of weeks. Um, Played a game that I haven't hated, which has been nice. Got myself a new tattoo on the weekend out of the blue, so that was something. Um, yeah, just just thriving, really. You know, got a new front door. That's nice. That's exciting. Uh, just doing adult stuff. Cage? You know how it is. Has it, it got bars on it? Yes, it is. Um, I'm actually staying at His Majesty's Pleasure at the moment. Um, is it padded? Yes, it is at HMP Silver Sands. Um, it's a very nice bedroom with a view. It's very nice indeed. Um, but before we go down the rabbit hole of me being in prison, which I'm not, we should probably talk about the game of the day. So this week we are going to be talking about uh, the second game in a series we featured on this podcast probably about a year or maybe two years ago now. Um, today we're going to be focusing on Bioshock Infinite. So Bioshock Infinite came out in 2013 and was developed by Irrational Games and was produced by 2K. So it comes in at number 48 on our list, so pretty much right in the middle, and has a meta score of 94. Um, To note, the PC version and the PS3 version are both level at 94%, and the Xbox 360 version is slightly lower at 93%. So first things first, what's your history with this game? My history with this game? So, obviously, um, Anyone that has recently listened to the Bioshock episode will know that I'm a fan of the series, and um, I was I was actually following this game leading up to the re- to release, and I'd seen several trailers of this game, and I was very very I think this was um, one of my biggest examples of mega hype and kind of what that can lead to. Um, so this was. 2013 wasn't it it yeah released in march 2013 yeah and um yeah so so i was i was on the hype train for this one and i was excited and obviously the game got rave reviews i remember when i picked this up actually so we were going home for uh from university for the summer and i picked this up my parents came to get me and i picked this up on the journey home from a sainsbury's i think it might have been Lancaster Sainsbury's yeah picked this up and I was very much excited about playing it or it might it might have been that we were on a break or something because I, I I seem to remember it was around my birthday so I don't think we broke up quite that early I maybe a re- maybe anyway a re- I know a that, reading week or something yeah so um I know I know that I picked it up on the way back home to Essex and yeah very excited to play it and I really 
played this game slowly and uh, kind of dug into what it had to offer. And I came away feeling um, disappointed. So anyone that knows me knows that I, I was sorely disappointed by this game when it came out. And I, I feel like this is a very divisive game. You've got people that love it and you've got people that, that say it's overrated and it's not really a, a Bioshock game. Um, which, of course, we will, we will kind of dig into during this episode. Um, I've never never gone back to it since then. Um, because it really soured me on the game and this time I played it on my Nintendo Switch because I've bought the collection um, on the Switch and these are quite old games so they run quite nicely on the Switch and um, it was nice to play it on the OLED in handheld form whilst watching things and doing bits and yes um, so yeah that was that was kind of my experience this time um, how about yourself so I, I've played this game before. Um, anyone that listened to the episode that we did on the first Bioshock game knows that I'd played Infinite before, but I haven't played any of the others up until we played Bioshock 1 for the podcast. So I've, I've kind of played them in reverse, really, but skipping two because I've never played number two. Um, so I also played this when we were at university. I think it was probably when we were in third year, and I don't remember... I don't remember if I played it on PS3 or if I played it on Xbox 360. I but think you played it on PS3. I either borrowed it off you, which would have been on PS3. Or I think you got on... it on PS3, and I think it was one of the PS Network games for that month. Yeah, that rings a bell, actually. Um, I think that might be it, because the, the only other option I was going to say was it was on 360, and I might have borrowed it off Danny, um, who was one of our housemates at the time. Um but yeah, I, I picked it up possibly on PlayStation Plus um, and I just played it just because it was there, it was free and I had some time to kill. Um, and I mean, I didn't have any expectations going into it other than the stuff that I'd heard about it on YouTube. Um, people saying that it was, you know, a very aesthetically pleasing game. It was very standout um, and, you know, the characters were, were something special. Um, and I mean, I, I think I enjoyed it when I played it at the time wasn't anything to write home about but I thought it was like a pretty solid you know 10-12 hour experience I completed it and then never really touched it or gone back to it ever since um, same as you I've played this on the Switch this time round um, annoyingly the Bioshock collection came out on PlayStation Plus when I was still a member and I downloaded it and I think I might have mentioned in the last episode that up until up until payday, which was last week, I've been incredibly poor this month because first month of my mortgage coming out, closing off bills, it's I've, I've, it's been a it's been an expensive month for me. Um, and I was like, right, well, I've got the Bioshock collection on PlayStation Plus. I'll reactivate my membership, um, which was six ninety nine because I just got it for a month, so I could access all the games that I've downloaded. And for some reason, like I did that, paid it, whatever. And for some reason, Bioshock Infinite isn't included in that collection anymore. Um, the way that it always operated with the the collection was that Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 are on its own file, and then you have to download Bioshock Infinite separately, um, which you can do if you've got the, the remastered collection, which I do via PlayStation Plus. But I, I don't know how long ago it was removed, but P Bioshock Infinite just isn't on the PlayStation Store at all. Um, I don't know why. I'm not sure what's happened. 
Um, but I was quite annoyed at the fact that I paid seven pounds to uh, to gain access to play it again, and it just wasn't there. Um, and I mean, the, the the annoying thing with PlayStation and seeing your your plus your plus collection is I'm pretty sure now you can't actually view your collection unless you're currently subscribed. So um, right. yeah, wasted wasted a bit of money on that. And then I was like, oh right, because I really wanted to play it on PlayStation. Uh, I wanted to play it on the TV. Um, but in the end, I had to spend an extra 15 quid playing it on Switch, um, which I played in docked mode. Um, I thought it ran okay. I, I complained to you the other day that I had quite a few issues with sound distortion. Um, I did uninstall yeah, it and reinstall it, and that seemed to sort it out. But I, I read a, f- a few online threads saying that the um, the audio mixing of Bioshock Infinite wasn't the best in terms of the ports. So I'm not sure if that right, was something to okay. do with it. Um, so yeah, I, I I would have preferred to not play this on Switch. Um, there are some games that I really enjoy playing on Switch with the the Pro Controller, but this like a shooter isn't really one of them. Um, but that being said, do you want to explain what the plot is of this game? Um, you're our resident Bioshock expert because you've played all of them and I haven't. Well, so what goes on in Bioshock Infinite? I wouldn't say expert, but yeah, I am definitely a fan of the series. So um, the plot is is a bit of a... It's not, not, not so easy to explain in some ways, and we'll get to that. But um, So you, you play as Booker DeWitt, um, and you're kind of dumped into Booker's shoes, and you're told... That in you 1912. To, yes, and you have to um, basically get retrieve the girl in order to pay off the debt and basically you're in debt to these people and they want you to um kidnap someone so you are on a boat and you arrive at a lighthouse which has become sort of um a calling card for the bioshock games and very quickly you are um sort of rocketed into um columbia and from there which you, is a floating city yeah so it's a city in the sky so um I, I don't know if this is part of your um as you know listeners we 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 write sort of very vague sketches of what the episode's going to be so i don't know if this is going to be delved into but yeah so um ken levine's who is the um the director of this game his his answer to rapture which was also his baby um which was obviously a city underwater, was a city in the sky. And in the build-up to Bioshock Infinite, I thought, that's brilliant. I mean, what what better way to answer Rapture, a city underwater, uh, than having a city in the sky? And it's not something that's been done very um, much in other media. So I thought it was going to be really interesting. Um, so you're in Colombia, you're, you're uh, trying to track down this this girl that you're after um you're introduced by um various descriptions from people that live there and also um environmental storytelling to um zachary comstock and it turns out that the, the yeah so he's 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 sort of worshipped in this place and it turns out that the girl you're after is his daughter um i've forgotten her name my mind's gone elizabeth oh that's it elizabeth yes 
Um, yes, so you track down Elizabeth. She is in um, a place basically locked away and she she goes with you at first. There is a flying bird that is sort of her guardian and then there's a bit of toing and froing between Booker and Elizabeth um, because he kind of murders people in front of her and she realises that he wants to take her to these people in order to pay off his debts. And then we get to some time-shifting, world-shifting, parallel universe stuff. So the timelines really get a bit blurred. And then it... <laughs> How do you even explain this bit? And then and then it turns out that there are, there are multiple worlds and in each world there's always a lighthouse and Booker is... <laughs> Zachary Comstock, the prophet, and the only way to end the cycle is for Booker to die at the hands of a number of Elizabeths. Yes, that's a terrible it's, yeah, description it, of the plot. It, 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 it's multi multi timeline, and like you say, it, it takes place in a city in the sky. You've got the prophet and the father, Zachary Comstock. Booker DeWitt's gone to you know, get Elizabeth to, as you say, pay off his debt. And as you go through these tears in time, you go to multi, uh, multi dimensions. And it's kind of revealed that, like you say, Booker is Comstock and that Booker is actually, um, Elizabeth's father, because obviously Comstock is, um, is Booker. So they're both her father, but from different universes. Um, and the, the timeline basically splits and this is hard to explain um and i'd suggest anyone that wants to know about the the the, the in-depth version of this story should probably watch a youtube video because it's, it's quite in-depth um is that there are two separate timelines um booker is um he's a war veteran and in two timelines one of them he gets baptized and one of them he doesn't and in the timeline where he gets baptised after being at war, he then goes on, washed of his sin, to become Zachary Comstock and founds Columbia. He's the prophet and the father of Columbia. And in the second um, timeline, which is the one that you play in, Booker doesn't get baptised and um, he gets married and has a daughter, Elizabeth, who then gets taken by Comstock into Columbia. And then your task, which is where the game picks up with... Um, getting Elizabeth uh, back to these people so you can pay off your gambling debt. And yeah, it's made all of them more confusing by the fact that there, there are more than two timelines though. And yeah, there are, there's infinite timelines. Well, there are infinite timelines, hence the name. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how much sense it all makes when you really break it down. Um, but there is a nice payoff at the end when you when you kind of realise what's going on. Um, I'm just not convinced it's the most well-told story. <laughs> but mm. there you go. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I mean, we we've mentioned quite a few times in this podcast that what what I really enjoy in games is a good story. Uh, obviously, the gameplay's got to be there as well. Um, but I think the story as an idea is a good one. But similar to you, I don't think that it was executed quite as well as it could have been. Yeah, I think and I think there's I think there's some reasons for that, and I think I think we we may get to them um, as to why there are a lot of gaps in this story and a lot of gaps in the game. Um, mm. But yes, yeah, and I mean, 
the characters, a, a, a big selling point of this game um, was Elizabeth and her characterization. And I thought Elizabeth was probably the standout character in the game. She's, um, as mentioned, the, the daughter of Booker, even though you don't find that out until the end of the game. Um, and she has an ability to create tears in time to go through to other dimensions. And, you know, at one point she opens a tear and you can kind of see through it and it looks like um, they're play it's like the Vietnam War or something. And I think it's um, Fortunate Sun by uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival that you can hear in the background. And then another one, she opens a tear when you first meet her and um, she opens up to Paris and you can see the Eiffel Tower and an ambulance coming towards you, which obviously doesn't exist yet because the year is 1912 in the game. Um, but it is a complex story and there are a lot of elements to it. And it feels a lot more complex than Bioshock 1. I, I can't say anything for Bioshock 2 because, like I said, I've not played it. Um, but moving on to the gameplay of this game, because, like we said, this story is convoluted. In terms of the gameplay, do you think Bioshock Infinite is fun? I, I think this is a, the hard question because this, this game really strips out a lot of the elements of Bioshock. Um, Bioshock was, um, I think they called them immersive something or other. Uh, it will come back to me. I was reading about this the other day, actually. My, my brain is not very sharp after a very long day at work. So um, so the, a lot of the elements of Bioshock are stripped out. A lot of the um, the layers, I would say. And what you get is a streamlined experience, for better or for worse. And I I, I very much viewed it as... A first person shooter whereas i don't really entirely view bioshock one as a first person shooter i agree so um as a first person shooter i'm comparing it to all the other first person shooters we played on this list and we played some very good ones um and functionally i think it's um quite clunky compared to a lot of those games very and it retains the clunkiness of Bioshock but it's like the stuff that they stripped out you'd think that that energy would be refocused on making the gameplay really buttery smooth but it's kind of not that and I think in short bursts you can probably get some entertainment out of this game but I grow weary of the combat in this game they throw far too many enemies at you you don't get a lot of reprieve and I find it quite tedious. Um, in the moments where you do stop fighting, um, you get some sections where you're kind of walking through an area with Booker and um, possibly Elizabeth as well. And you get to see the people of Rapture living their lives. Columbia. You really... Oh, sorry. Yeah, Columbia. Um, you're talking you about really a game can't... that you prefer there. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't... Um interact with them very much so it's kind of like you're watching this um this play play out in front of your eyes and if you watch for too long the illusion starts to break up because you'll see children playing on the beaches building sandcastles and then you'll see the point where the animation starts to repeat and it's kind of like this clockwork world and that was one thing that really bothered me at the time um there's a lot of detail gone into creating these sort of um, backdrops, but 
I think it's the uh, the very nature of, of creating a backdrop like this. In other games, you rush through them at, at, at those kind of... It. I don't know, actually. Maybe you're not. But <laughs> I don't know what point I was making there. But yeah, so I think you, you kind of see behind the curtains a bit too often. And as a, as a, as a shooter... Um, it's it's functional. That's that's the the word I would use to describe it. But it doesn't really go beyond that for me. Mm. I I think the the comparison you have, well not even a comparison, but the the difference between Bioshock One and arguably Two I don't know, and Infinite is that Rapture in Bioshock One is it's been ransacked and there's there's not many people around. It's pretty much dead. Whereas Columbia is a living, breathing city that is supposed to be this idyllic Americana dream of, you know, perfection. This is how America should be, um, even though it's a, a city in the sky. And I think there's more to see or, or more stuff for, to be critical of with Infinite because... Yeah, they, they it's that it's that thing of um, the uncanny valley where you show, you kind of show more, whereas actually Bioshock One kind of knew the limitations of NPCs and didn't give you that many, and usually when it did, they were behind a glass screen, yeah, so that you couldn't mess around with them or interact with them. Whereas here, you're just kind of not able to use your gun and not really able to interact with them, so you've just got this kind of veneer of um of a place that you can't really touch and isn't really tangible um so yeah i think i think you got you, you make a good point there compared to bioshock and and bioshock 2 goes the bioshock 1 route in terms of there are more npcs in bioshock 2 but again you kind of view them from behind glass um which which again it's it's not very realistic and it's that that's a flaw in in and of itself but by doing that they avoided um this this sort of diorama effect that um, infinite has yeah and i mean in terms of the question of whether or not the game's fun i i agree with you that it can be fun in short bursts but this game it is a shooter but i wouldn't have categorized bioshock one as a shooter and you know you still have the the inclusion of the um uh, the plasmids in this game which are kind of like the, the weird superpowers that you can get and those are fine. Like it sets it apart from other shooters, but it is a very clunky shooter. And like I say, I wouldn't really categorize Bioshock One as a shooter. It's a kind of uh, an adventure thriller game with a shooter they call element. Them. This to is it. this is what I was kind of getting at earlier. Um, and it and it stems back to the um, System Shock games. Um, also made by Ken Levine. Yeah. They were um, immersive sims mm. and the Deus Ex games as well. So with an immersive sim, they weren't meant to be first-person shooters. They were you, were you were presented a scenario and it was really your choice how to tackle that scenario. So in Bioshock 1, for example, and, and lots of people said that even Bioshock 1 kind of dumbed down the immersive sim of the earlier games. Um so it was even in, in conversation then. And then we get to the point where you, you're at Bioshock Infinite and really it is just <clears throat> a, a first-person shooter with some superpowers. Um, so in, in Bioshock 1, you had say you had some enemies that you had to fight and 
it was really your choice how you dealt with them. You could get the uh, you could get the various machines on your side. You you could lay traps. You could do this and that to, or, or you could bypass them entirely. Whereas um, Bioshock Infinite locks you into sort of arenas, and some of them you can run past people. Most of the time you can't, and it doesn't give you the opportunity to lay traps for the most part beforehand. And your hacking this time is limited compared to last time. Um, so yeah, it feels much more like a combat-heavy first-person shooter, I think. Yeah, and that isn't to say that it isn't ever fun at all. Like I say, this is this is a fun game in in dribs and drabs. But I I agree with you. I found the the combat quite tiring, and. I know that we both watched the Matthew Matosis video before discussing this, and Matthew Matosis makes some good points in that, and he's a very, uh, he's got a, a good eye for being critical of games and being quite fair with it. And I think he made a good point that if you're going to make a shooter, I mean, he, he didn't say this, but in as many words, if you're going to make a good shooter, then you have to make sure that the shooting is, if that's the main part of your game, you have to make sure that that's brilliant and it's on point, because that is your gameplay loop, you know? And yeah. it feels like Bioshock Infinite doesn't really know what it wants to be. It's It wants to be similar to the old Bioshock games where it isn't all combat heavy, but then as well as that, it wants the inclusion of, you know, being a first-person shooter, which was obviously all the rage at the time, another point that Matthew Mitosis makes. Um, but in doing that, because it's... It, it, it kind of goes down the route of jack of all trades, master of none. It doesn't have any standout elements to it, unlike unlike maybe the first Bioshock game, which I think is where this, this falls down because it doesn't really feel like it knows what it is. Um, but I mean, in terms of favourite things that you can do or favourite moves in this game, is there anything that stands out to you that you really enjoyed? My my go-to weaponry was the uh, the sniper rifle and the revolver um, the i think they're quite cannon. fun to use yes the hand cannon i think they're quite fun to use and um when you when you're picking enemies off with those that's quite fun um i must admit this time round i didn't really dabble much with the um with the with they're not called plasmids here are they they're called they're called something else i think tonics yeah um so I didn't do I did I didn't um, dabble much with the tonics this time around, um, just because I f- frankly didn't feel compelled to, and I, c- I kept getting this thing coming up after <laughs> after combat saying don't forget to use your tonics, but the game wasn't really incentivizing me to do that. Um, yeah. So so yeah, some of some of the weapons are quite nice to use, um, but I think. This game is a lot more set piece heavy than Bioshock One. There are some massive, massive set pieces in this game, and again, you could say that it's, it's borrowed that from other popular games at the time. But there are some impressive set pieces in this game um, as well. So I think that's one thing that the game does well. But probably the thing that I, I enjoyed that I, I still feel like is massively, massively underutilized is the um, the Skyrail. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have been the thing that set Bioshock Infinite apart. But yeah. instead it was just a, a, a little wrinkle that was fun to use, but yes. could have been a lot more, I think. For, for anyone that hasn't played it, the Sky Rail is effectively uh, like a train track that goes around well the sky, 
as is, is uh, sort of like a monorail that you can attach to with a hook. Yeah, and from there you will you whiz around the arenas, and um, you can you can you can fight from up there, you can shoot from up there, mm-hmm. um, you can jump from one rail to the other, you can jump off, you can um, perform take takedowns on enemies from there. So there's there's a fair bit you can do do from up there. Yeah, um, the sky rail is cool. Um, I'd say that's probably up there for me as well. I mean, in terms of weapons, I also mostly use the hand cannon, and then later in the game I use the repeater, which is kind of like the heavy heavy machine gun, uh, but not quite as heavy as like the the Gatling gun thing that you can get. Um, but I, I used a few of the the plasmids. Um, the the, mo- the main one I used was the one that um, basically like like the hacking one that makes um, people or, or machines work yeah. for you. Um, that was that was quite handy, and then the the devil's kiss, the, the the fire one, was quite good. And I mean, some of the enemies in this game stand out as being quite interesting. Like you've got the fireman, who, as I progressed through the game, became more and more annoying because it felt like they were getting tougher. Um, I struggled with the fireman occasionally. There's the um, there's the raven the man as well. He's a good one. Which one? The, the blobby man. He's a good one. Oh, Mr. Blobby. Yes. Yes, yeah, I, I was a big fan of that uh, that tonic, actually. Um, turns you into Noel Edmonds, I believe. Um, takes you to... Um, and then it becomes a house party. That's right, it takes you to Noel's house party, that's right. Um, <laughs> the, the, there are some irritating enemies in this game as well, like the... Um, I can't remember handyman. what they're called. Yeah, the handyman. They're just A lot of the enemies in this game are bullet sponges and gets to a point where, depending what difficulty you're playing it on... It just becomes tiresome and it makes the combat feel very repetitive, I suppose. So this game has um, the the it it does the same thing as Bioshock. It has this this funny um, respawn system where if you die, you'll just go to the nearest sort of uh, respawn area thing, and you will get your health back or some health back, and the enemies will get some health back. So. There's there's never any real. It doesn't feel like there's any real pen, penalty for for losing in this game. And yeah, you, you fight the handyman. You, you you know that eventually you're going to beat them because there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Um, it's a the only point where you get some some failure states is near the end of the game. And yeah, it's a strange one. And and it it felt. I mean, I know I I think it was a flaw in Bioshock One. I'm not pretending it's not. But to me, it felt like more of a thing here maybe because that it was more combat heavy it, it it's flawed in its um regenerative health <clears throat> shield which is you know the same as halo was or you know any other fps game at the time but i say regenerative health there are health kits that you pick up but the shield is yeah. regenerative uh and it's quite easy to come by health kits and elizabeth will occasionally throw you ammo or throw you salts which um I mean, you can use your plasmids more, or she'll throw you a med kit, or whatever, or, or coins. Or she'll throw you a single coin, and I'll, and I'll think, don't even waste my time with that animation. <laughs> well, it's nice to get silver eagles. We like silver eagles here. <laughs> um, something that I wanted to touch on, and um, again, it's something that Matthew Matosis touched on a little bit, was Columbia itself. Because yeah. this game takes place in 1912, and it's taking place in an idyllic... Um, kind of Americana vibe there are elements in this game that don't really get explored too much and it just feels like they're mentioned 
just to I don't know, like for shock value maybe. I I don't really know, but there are elements in this game that shows yes, Colombia is this idyllic, fantastic place where the American dream has come to life. But then as well as that, you've got the underclass that serve them, which is in the form of uh, black slaves and um, the Irish as well. And I think it feels very kind of ham-fisted as to why it was included in the game. It was included in the game to be like, oh, wow, this is a game that tackles racism. But it, it doesn't really. You've got a choice at the start of the game where you can either throw a ball at an interracial couple um, that's supposedly, like, they're not supposed to do that because, you know, dating outside of your race is frowned upon in 1912 America. Or you can throw the ball at the carnival um, barker who the choice doesn't make any difference anyway because the outcome's the same. It doesn't matter if you choose to throw it at them or at the, at the carnival guy. Um, but... It feels like it was just kind of put in here to say, look, this is a game that talks about racism, but it doesn't really do anything with it. The no. the the subplot, well, there isn't even a subplot. The the fact that there are black slaves used and Irish migrants used as, as workforce isn't really featured. It's just there at the start, and we make a point of the fact of, oh, window dressing yeah yeah it is and it feels like it's there to score political points and you know Matthew Matosis makes a very good point in his video and I'm not going to repeat the words he says because he effectively uses the n-word and I I don't want to use that Um, but he makes the point that if you're going to implement something like this into your game then you have to go the whole route really and that's not saying oh more games should use the n-word because that isn't the point but it's more of a um if you're going to like you say use window dressing of oh racism existed here and it's bad but then you don't really show the true extent of what that was or what you know black slaves had to go through in america um obviously i realized that slavery was abolished in the i think it was the 1800s and it was pretty much gone by the the early 20th century in america but if you're going to showcase that, then you have to showcase all of it, not just the, you know, this existed. You have to showcase all of it, the actual racism, the language that was used, the the violence and the, the control that these people used against slaves. Um, and I don't know, it's just a very strange inclusion into this game because it's just there to score political points and to make it seem deeper than it is. And for anyone um, yeah. interested in that side of things i would recommend you go and watch matthew matosis's video because he he does systematically tear apart that aspect of the game and i think he makes some some valid points yeah so if you are interested in that side of things yeah i just have a look at his video because he 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 breaks it down very eloquently and um yeah i think he does a very good job of it i think so too and i don't want that to take away from what columbia is because I think aesthetically, this game is very pleasing. Well, this um, is where the game shines. Yeah. the the, the I, I can't really say the world building, because like you say, it is very much window dressing. The animations will run out, and it feels very much like a game. But Columbia as a whole is like a really cool idea. Like you say, you did Rapture before, which is underwater, so what's the opposite of that? A city flying in the sky. Um, 
that effectively is a cult to uh, the prophet, Father Comstock. And there are some really, really pretty, um, like, game boxes in, in, in this in this game. And for... for I the, love that you used the, the, the phrase game boxes. Yeah, it, it's, I think I think that hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it feels very much like you go from one sandbox in this game to the next, to the next, to the next, and some of them are very good looking. But I don't know, there, there's something lacking. But speaking of the the visuals of this game, I think it's important to mention the sound as well, and the voice acting is pretty good across the board. But the the thing that I wanted to point out that I really enjoyed about this game was the music. Some of it yeah. got a little bit samey, but they use some licensed tracks in the game. Some of them are like redone as like barbershop quartets singing um, Beach Boys, God Only Knows, which is awesome. It's a great song. Um, you've got inclusions of, like I said, I think it was Credence Clearwater Revival with Fortunate Son at some point. And you've got a few other like known songs that you might like hum along to or tap along to. But there's the, the original music and the original score in this game is brilliant as well. And the use of music, I really enjoy. Like when you're in a combat situation and you finish off the last enemy, the music swells up and then stops. So you know that there's no one else around and you've you've, you've completed that section. Um, I like that element of it as well. But for me, the music is probably the big standout point in this game. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what do you this reckon? This game screws around sound? with time a lot. Yeah. Because um, obviously some of those people that you just mentioned weren't around when this game was set. Um, so I don't know how that kind of works. Um, so they used, um, they used licensed music in, 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 in Bioshock as well, but it was from the time. Yeah. Um, which is like sixties, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, so they had Danny boy and, and, and stuff like that. And they had some good stuff in there. Well, I think we talked about, um, Papa loves Bumbo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, that was in there. Um, all all the hits, all the classics. Um, they were there. All our favourite songs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, and one thing that that I think I mentioned it in the Bioshock episode that bothers me about um, Bioshock Infinite, and this may just be a me thing, is that you've got a lot of the stuff that was made kind of a staple in in Bioshock. So you've got the um, the voice recordings. You've got the plasmids, now known as tonics. And when they were introduced in Bioshock, they were introduced as if they were like these new uh, pieces of technology and they were part of what made the world of Rapture special and new. But then what they do in Bioshock Infinite is they say, well, they've actually been around for 40 40 years longer than that. Mm. And um, nothing that... That happened in Rapture was actually original. They just borrowed it from this Columbia that happened forty so years much previously. earlier. Yeah, yeah, and that 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 bothers me because I feel like it undermines Rapture a bit um, as this as this um, post apocalyptic sort of setting. So yeah, that that's just one of my my own nickels with the game. No, it, it as much as I like the look of of Columbia. And the the vibe that it gives off, although that it's flawed, like I said, with with elements of it, I think that Rapture is a better built world, um, and the environmental storytelling around Rapture is a lot better than what Columbia has to offer. Um, but that kind of brings me on to the question of the week. I think um, 
And this game, again, I've not played Bioshock 2. I've played Bioshock 1 for the podcast, and you've played all three of them. But this game feels quite a lot different from Bioshock 1, and I imagine it's quite a bit different from Bioshock 2. So my question is, do you think that this game was originally planned as a Bioshock game, or do you think they got so far into development with it, and then they thought, actually, we could we could Bioshock this up um, for, for, for more? I think... Um, there's a lot about the cut content in this game, and if you look at the pre-release trailers and and which I obviously I had done before I played the game, mm. there was a lot of stuff cut. So I I believe the the word that I would use to describe this game, every part of this game is fractured, and I believe that it was supposed to be Bioshock in the sky, and it was supposed to have all those those tropes that. Um, the first Bioshock had mm. and all those those layers that it had but this game famously underwent um, development troubles and I think ultimately they were told by 2K to just get the game out and what, what, what we ended up with was a game that was more similar to a first person shooter with kind of nods to the old style of Bioshock and I think that's why the story is not quite complete. And I think that's why we get to f- to fight um, Elizabeth's mother three times. And that mm. was a, a, a pain. And that's why we get all those enemies. And it just feels like they were trying to, to pad out the game and make the game longer than it than it really the other thing that strikes me is i i agree i think columbia aesthetically is very very nice and it has a very if you see a screenshot for bioshock infinite you know it's bioshock infinite yeah that's that's a really big compliment and one of the things that i think really holds up nicely is is um elizabeth's facial animation Mm -hmm. um she genuinely looks like um a pixar character yeah she does it's just so well animated and I think that's part of why people loved her and uh, obviously the voice work as well um, not do, so much do, as a as do you a... know who voices Booker DeWitt is it um, is it one of the big like Troy Baker or it's Troy um... Baker yeah I thought it was yeah, Troy Baker because he was voicing everything in 2013 yeah this was uh, this was one of his first really big roles I think at the time because um, I, di- I didn't the, research the, that but I wanted to ask you in case you knew because I was like I assume that it was either Troy Baker or um, well this is where I became Nathan aware Drake, of right? Troy Baker yeah so I, I heard of him here and th- that's when he kind of became a name to me well t- um, 2013 was a big year for Troy Baker then wasn't it because if, if he did Bioshock Infinite and then The Last of Us came out in 2013 as well and then I yeah, think yeah, a exactly. year before maybe he played um the Joker in in Batman. Yeah, was that um was was that Arkham? Was that the funny middle one? Yeah, Arkham. I can't remember its name. I know, I know the one you mean. But yeah, the one yeah. that the one that wasn't made by Rocksteady. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Fun, funnily enough, similar situation to Bioshock Two, which mm. was not made by Ken, which was not directed by Ken Levine. Um, yeah. So. Um, so, so yes, so Elizabeth is really well done. Um, but what what I think they, they missed a trick is, to me, all the areas within Bioshock, all the biomes, all the separate areas felt quite unique. So you had Sander Cohen's um, sort of 
yeah. artistic place and you had um fontaine's fisheries and yeah they all like if i it, and then you had the gardens where where you were um you were trying to preserve the oxygen yeah so I all the different places i can i can recall a picture and it comes to my mind whereas the only place that i find to be quite distinctive in bioshock infinite is is it fink finkton fink's area yeah so finkton which is um where you where you get to see the different battles and and funnily enough you get um sort of a roller coaster ride which is at times what bioshock infinite itself feels like especially with the sky rail so yeah that that's the only distinctive area and i feel like they could have done some 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 better i don't want to say they should, they could have done some better work but it could have been thematically um a bit more diverse mm. um yeah definitely there was cut content and i i don't believe that we saw the game that ken levine wanted to release um and i know that after that game came out irrational was shuttered and ken levine went off to create his own development studio um which kind of gives you an indication of the problems that they had during development. So I don't for a second believe that this is the game that Ken Levine wanted to make, but it's hard to say to what extent it would have resembled the original Bioshock or whether it would have been still slightly streamlined. Yeah, uh, it's a question we're never going to know the truth to, but I'm sure uh, I do think it's a fractured game that's missing some parts. Mm. Um, I'm guessing you also think that. Yeah, it, it, again, I'm only going off Bioshock 1, but this this just doesn't feel like what Bioshock is. And like I said, when I played this in 2013 or 14, whenever it was that I, I played it, um, I enjoyed it. But I think that's because I didn't have the context of what Bioshock is. And I, I've not listened to that Bioshock episode that we did um, since I edited it for release. So whenever it was that that came out, but... I don't have any lasting memories of Bioshock. You know, there were some elements to it that I thought were cool. Um, I knew the twist that was coming at the end because like, I, I know I'm in the gaming sphere, so I know that that's a really famous twist. And there were some cool elements to Bioshock, but it wasn't one that stood out to me. Like, if you ask me what my favourite 10 games are out of this top 100 list, when we come to the end of it, Bioshock probably wouldn't be in there, as much as I thought no. it was fine. No. Um but yeah, this just didn't didn't feel like it. It just felt like a a very clunky first person shooter where the shooting didn't feel that great. Um, and I messed about with the sensitivity and stuff to try and make it feel a bit more fluid, but it just didn't. It just felt clunky. And it was a bit heavy, doesn't it? And a bit yeah. clumsy, and not just 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 not what you'd really expect. If if you're gonna make a, a first shooter. person yeah if you if you're gonna make a first person shooter then you've got to make sure that the shooting is bang on and it and, isn't and I don't want to bring up Call of Duty Modern Warfare one but I'm gonna bring it up anyway but that game came out in 2007 I think 2007 yeah. and that game well that game to me feels a lot better to play well this is it um, today yeah the, the the thing is people will drag on Call of Duty and say, oh, Call of Duty this, Call of Duty that. And that's fair enough because it's a, a series that probably should be put to bed for a few years. Same with Battlefield. But what those games do well, they do really well. They know exactly yeah. what they are and they know what their focus is. 
and that's why those games are successful. Um, and regardless of what your feelings are towards them in terms of story player or online or the the, the business model behind it, it's a first-person shooter game, and the first-person shooting's bloody good. And that's all there is to yeah. it. And it just doesn't feel like Bioshock yeah. is that. It just doesn't... It, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to be. Um, and, I mean, I think that brings us quite nicely to our wrap-up. Yeah. Um, but... Like I say, this like I said at the start of this episode, this game came in at number forty-eight and it has a meta score of ninety-four. Do you think that it deserves its place on the list? I think my answer is going to be somewhat predictable for this one. Mm. Um, I think you have to break the game down um, into its parts, and then I think when you look at its parts, it doesn't excel at the gameplay side of things just a reminder bioshock one is number 18 on the list i've just double checked okay well that's yeah that's 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 a lot higher than i even remembered yeah um so yeah it it doesn't really do the shooting well but it doesn't have the extra layers so i can't really forgive it for that like i could bioshock because i could go through bioshock and um for the most part not fire many weapons if i wanted to Mm. um I think production values are good. I think the voice work is very good. Um, and I think, as I said, the facial animation is very good. Um, I think there are some really nice, nicely told story beats. I don't, I'm not convinced about the overall plot. I think it's a bit all over the place, but there are certainly some nice moments where you think, where, where I, where I stopped and I thought, this is, this is cool. Um, and, and, there's a lot in this game that makes you wonder at the game it could have been. I know that um, this game does have its um, proponents. It does have people that really love this game. That it really touched them when they played it, and um, people that still uh, think it's a, an, an excellent game. That just wasn't me. Um, I had expectations of what this game was, and it didn't really fit neatly with those. But it didn't really fit neatly with those of a first person shooter for me either so it's 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 a very weird game and especially now in 2023 it feels weirder than ever what this game is and what it's not um because it doesn't fit nicely into any category anymore and i think the only part that really excels in this is is the the art style mm. um, and the music yeah, and it does have good music, yeah. Um, but, but good music does not not a good game make. Yeah, and I'm sure we've talked about it when we've talked about other games, when we've talked about very good production values versus the other elements. So for me, I, it, it does not deserve to be... And this is not to say it's a bad game. I don't, I don't think it's a bad game. I don't think it's a terrible game. I just don't think it warrants personally was the praise that it got and mm. um I, th- I think it's a it's a, a perfectly playable functional functional game um that is fractured in many many ways um but to me it doesn't deserve to be on the list and it t- certainly doesn't deserve to dethrone um bioshock for that series represent representation on the list um what do you think yeah i think when i played this um back whenever I played it I wasn't I obviously wasn't looking at it from a critical point of view I was just looking at it as oh it's a free game I'm going to play it 
And yeah, it's a completely different setting. Yeah, and when we talked about Bioshock Infinite in the years since then, uh, even before we talked about it for this podcast, I I've said to you I think it's quite a good game. I, I quite enjoyed it. But going back to it now, I think it is very clunky, and it is, um, it it doesn't do what it does well enough to warrant it being a leader in its field, and particularly not well enough for it to be on the top one hundred list. Um, and another fact I've just realised is when you just said playing this game in twenty twenty three, this game came out in March twenty thirteen. This game's almost ten years old. Um, yeah, and. At time of recording, where it's the thirtieth of January, twenty twenty three, and it just made me feel a little bit sick that <laughs> ten years ago it was twenty thirteen, because um, that's when we we're at university and that. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think this game deserves to be on the list. It's perfectly fine for what it is, but it doesn't stand out enough against some of the other games that are on this list or some games that aren't on the list that should be. To, to stand out it looks good the music's good and as you say the voice acting is good and some of the story beats are alright as well but the gameplay doesn't hit the beats that it needs to for what it is the story although good in some parts yeah is a bit convoluted and it's not because it's overly complicated it just I don't know it, it tries too hard I think um, as Peter Griffin and Family Guy once said it insists upon itself Lois um, he said that about the Godfather that's right it insists upon itself um, <laughs> and then he turns out he hadn't even watched it through that's right and he's wrong because it's a great film um, but yeah I, I'd quite happily remove this game from the list um, and I highly recommend anyone that's enjoyed listening to this episode to watch the video that Matthew Matosis did on it I would also recommend that video because I think he does a better job than us to be honest yeah he does <laughs> it's a shame he doesn't make video I, I was driving back earlier from work thinking I wonder what he does now because he doesn't make videos anymore he um, does he still does occasionally but it's odd games and he's got a second channel where he actually plays games and oh does he I, he, he does release things occasionally but he doesn't seem to do the big no sort of breakdowns like anymore, the Metal Gear a really special games game. that he did in the Zelda series and stuff like that I mean he did he did Last of Us 2 a couple of years ago didn't he and he did Portal uh, 2 I think yeah and then he did something on Dark Souls or uh, Devil May Cry or something um, but yeah that, that brings us to a conclusion with Bioshock Infinite it's um, I think we kind of started off a little bit slow in this episode because I don't think our brains are working, but I think um, this no. has been a good conversation on it. So what have we got coming up next? I think we're recording next week, aren't we? Yes, we are recording next week. So we've got um, a lot of playing to do between now and then because the game that we've got is pretty massive. Um, so we're playing Divi Divinity Original Sin 2, which I have started, but I'm certainly not deep into the game. Um I think yeah, you've got about five big... or ten hours into it, haven't you, or something like that, and I've not even started it yet. I don't think I've got... I think I'm probably closer to... I'm probably under five, but closer to... Five. Three or four. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's I like a 55-hour game, so... Yeah. Yes. I don't know if we'll finish it in time. The last time I said, oh, do I really want to play this game that's X amount of hours Persona long and is massive, was Persona 5, and it turned yeah. out to be one of my favourite yeah. games I've ever played. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to what we've got after... Divinity as well, so we we've yes. got um. But yeah. hold your tongue. Yes, quite. We've got quite a uh, quite a good few a games game that I'm up. excited about as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. Game so that yes. I'm a big fan of the series. 
well, quite right. Uh, we've played another one, one, another one from that series on the list, and it was a bit meh. So there's there's your hint, listeners, <laughs> yeah. if you're interested in solving that mystery. Um, yeah. As usual, you can email us at long and short of it, pod, podcast podcast at hotmail.com. Social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, long and short of it podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you think might enjoy it. Um, maybe a Bioshock. Actually, no, maybe not a Bioshock fan. They might not like us after that. But yeah, maybe a Bioshock one fan. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you listening. We're getting to the uh, we're getting to the end now. We're getting there slowly but surely on this mammoth journey. So yes, uh, is there is there anything else from you for today? Um, no, no. Well, the only thing to say you've is had the that obligatory I'm, I'm Mr. Be... Blobby input. Is no, it going to no, be that? We've, we've, we've had that. This is this is different. So. <laughs> right. I'm actually um, I'm actually replaying Bioshock 2, funnily enough, and I'm making the decision about whether I want to include it as one of my 15 games. Mm. So, um, so watch this space. I don't I don't know what my answer is going to be at the moment, but I am enjoying it more than Infinite. So, there's that. Yes, maybe uh, maybe I'll be playing Bioshock 2 before we know it. Um, but yes, yep. that's all from me for today. Um, as always, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week for Divinity. In the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.